into my first games, it was that idea of like, okay, greater than gold. It's like, and this is, I guess, a word that the Holy Spirit kind of like had whispered to my heart um, through different readings and stuff like that. But it was that idea like, where it's like, yeah, I'm sacrificing and pushing my body and myself um, for a gold medal. But really it's about that process. And it's like that like crucible and that furnace of like, that competition process that is refining my character and refining my faith and making me like gold. And like the cool part about that, that like was just God speaking my language was like, he's like, Melissa, like, what do you do with a gold medal? It's not like you hide it and you're ashamed of it and shove it in a back pocket or sock drawer or something like that. But you like actually go out and show people. And he's like, Melissa, it's the same with you. Like you've been refined and you're my gold medal that I get to show with pride. Like, look at my daughter, like look at who she is. Welcome to the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast, Resurgence Initiatives Podcast. Our heart is to see a movement of leaders released in all spheres of society and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Never before has there been such a need for good leadership. We're on a journey to be equipped, encouraged, and empowered. Join our conversations as we talk spirit-empowered leadership and see God's kingdom at work through God's people everywhere they go. Hey, we want to welcome you back to the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast. My name is Travis Saloni. This is Donovan Bayer. Donovan, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing really good. Really looking forward to our conversation today. (laughs) Yeah, we have a great guest, and uh, we are going to be talking about calling. And our guest today has been to the Olympics twice, uh, been to the World Cup, been to have, has won a bunch of awards, is on a circuit in, in, in a pretty cool sport that I grew up uh, watching on TV. Uh, Donovan, what sport is Melissa in? She's a bobsledder. Wow. That, that, <laughs> I always watch the skeletons where they go head first, but the bobsled, <laughs> they're like a team. And they, if, you, if you've never seen bobsled, Google it. Um, it, it's super cool. Go down an ice track in seconds. Um, it makes me think, and maybe this will date me. And, and somebody listening or watching maybe can relate of Cool Runnings. If you've seen oh, yeah. the movie with John Candy uh, about Jamaica <laughs> putting a bobsled team in the, I think it was a 1988 uh, Calgary Winter Olympics. And um, but. Uh, the person today that we're, Melissa, has been a key part of our resurgence community, and we are just mm-hmm. so honored to interview her. And um, one of the things that we're going to talk with her about is calling, because mm-hmm. it's so easy to, you know, be at a church and go, I'm called to missions, and I'm called to be an evangelist, I'm called to be a pastor. Um, but, but Melissa's called to go to the Olympics, and she felt that, and she felt God call her there. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we want to dive into that. And uh, Donovan, you, you were involved in sport and chaplaincy, and tell us about that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Like, one of the uh, opportunities I got while I was pastoring um, was to be a chaplain for the University of Alberta Golden Bears football team. And uh, it was amazing to journey with guys for a couple seasons. And each week we would have devotionals with them and I'd get to pray for them and encourage them. But one of the things that really stood out to me while I was uh, doing this chaplaincy was just the difference that it makes when guys are, are living out their faith with boldness. Uh, I just saw people... Um, like we we just saw these guys like 
um, bring a different type of like environment to the team. Uh, even though they didn't have very good winning records those years, uh, we saw these Christian players just with the character, the integrity, the way that they uh, continue to shine their faith, continue to live out their faith. Like they brought light to that team, and it was really cool because I actually got to baptize one of the guys from one of those teams, and uh, it's just awesome to see just how God's able to work. Uh, through somebody who's living out in their area of calling, even if that calling's not like a church or something that's more a religious institution. Yeah, I want to I want to dive into her about even the whole competitive nature of sport because totally. you and I both preach on don't compare yourself, don't compete. That's her job is to compete, and totally. so it's this interesting thing where your heart's at. You you have to be your heart has to be in the right place, but you you still you need to compete to win gold. And, and mm-hmm. all of those things and to get down that track is fast and there's injuries and setbacks and there's highs and there's lows and, and there's devastating things. And, and then also that mental preparation, like, like mm-hmm. I, I want to dig into like how she prepares, because I think all of us, um, we're in a game, we're in a sport, we're in the thing he's called us to be, whether you're a janitor, a teacher, a lawyer, a mom, pastor, it's that, you know, um, what's, how do you prepare for the game day? Like for us, before we're going to go speak, there's probably, a, you know, certain things mm-hmm. we do or prepare our mind. And it's so different when the whole world's watching you and you're on mm-hmm. uh, international TV. And then, yeah. you know, you're going to get go down this icy track. And uh, it'd, be, mm-hmm. it'd be really cool to talk to her more about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So uh, why don't we just hop in? Well, it's a real honor today to be joined by uh, Melissa Lotols, uh, two-time Olympian bobsledder, and uh, she's been a part of the Resurgence community for a while. Uh, I'll, I'll let her tell a bit more of her story, but thank you so much for joining us today, Melissa. We're really looking forward to this conversation. Thanks for having me. Oh, awesome. So yeah, why don't you just start off by telling us a bit about yourself, uh, a bit of your story, uh, things you're passionate about, and uh, what God's doing in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like you said, I'm a Canadian bobsled athlete. I've been on the national team since 2014, so it's been a while <laughs> at this point. Um, cool. And it was a dream, I feel like, that God planted in my heart like a long, long time ago. And to look back now and see what I've accomplished um, is crazy, I guess. Like, yeah, I guess I have um, like 18 World Cup medals, two World Championship medals, um, the only Canadian woman to ever compete at the Olympic level as a brakeman and then a pilot. So, um, yeah, there's been a few times it's cool thinking, I'm like, oh, I've made history and to think back to like that little girl that like was praying that prayer of like, Lord, can I go to the Olympics? Like she, mm. her mind's blown. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a dream that God put in my heart really young. And I actually remember like, it would have been in, like in grade eight, we went to this like youth retreat out in Jasper and we were given journals and literally on like page two or three of that journal, I wrote down like, Lord, would you like use this silly dream of going to the Olympics, like for your glory? Like, mm. wow. and yeah, I'm blown away. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So do you, you know, we've talked on this podcast and you've been listening as well. And uh, just part of this journey of growing as leaders, we're talking about, you know, it's easy to talk about leaders in the church and pastors and and missionaries, but we're also passionate about the leader in every chair and all of us are called to lead. And so there's a calling, like, did you feel like God called you to be a bobsledder? I wouldn't have said that like really young. It was just like, I was, I loved sports and I like had this ambition and like 
by grade eight, I already knew that was like not really realistic. Like that's why I said mm. my silly dream of going to the Olympics. Cause I was like, I realized that I shouldn't go. I'm like, grew up small town, Alberta on a farm. Like I wasn't playing any Olympic level sport. I was like in different school sports, but I wasn't playing club. I didn't even know university sports was like an actual option for me until all of a sudden grade 12, somebody approached me and was like, Hey, do you want to do this? And this was at track and field provincials. And I was like, yeah, I would love to. And it was just saying yes to an open door and working hard in that space. And then a few years later, it was like another open door with bobsled where my track coach was connected to my bobsled coach. And they were like, let's do a testing camp. Let's see. And then they were like, Hey, you should come out and try out for this team. Your drag line numbers are really good. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Like open door. Let's see where that goes. And I can remember I was really involved with Athletes in Action at the time um, on university. And so they're a group essentially that works with Christian athletes and really reaching non-Christian athletes as well. It's like, how do you help develop that total athlete? So obviously athletes were busy taking care of the physical side of things, but we're not just physical beings. We're mental, emotional, spiritual beings. And so that's what Athletes in Action exists for is like supporting that whole athlete. And so... I had a mentor through that and I remember sitting on the couch with her in South Campus and like like actually turned her in tears and like Roxanne I can't believe God's choosing me to do something I love mm. and so by that point yeah I did feel called called to be in that space and so so like this you feel like God called you and then what happened next like what how, how do you like that must have been a surreal feeling to like get on the like ice for the first time uh or on the track and like some of those. I moved, so I moved down to Calgary, um, having not done the sport yet. Um, <laughs> Calgary is kind of where our national team training hub is. And I was like, well, if I'm going to try this, I'm going to try this. And trained at the national team that summer. And it wasn't, it wasn't an easy summer, like right from go. It was actually really hard switching from being like immersed in like a really awesome community to being in a new city all by myself with teammates that didn't necessarily share the same values and actually like we had that summer, there was a bunch of people we would go around kind of hosting barbecues. And I remember like one, which was a great way to get to know teammates, but at one barbecue, I remember I had a teammate that said to me, oh, you're a Christian. That won't last long here. And I'm like, oh, okay. Don't know what that means. <laughs> um, but yeah, so right from go is actually like harder than I expected it to be. I expected it physically to be hard, but I didn't expect it maybe to be as hard as it was like emotionally and mentally and spiritually really. Um, yeah. So by the time I got onto the ice, like I was like a fish out of water. I had no idea what I was doing. I, there was a lot of people that retired after the 2014 Olympics and it made a space for me to step in and do really, really well. And, um, having, because bobsled is really like how fast can you push something heavy coming from a track and field background, a sprint background. And I was a very strong sprinter. It set me up well to push fast. And so I came in and I had one of the best like rookie times they've ever had. And so right from go, I found myself in the back of the two-time Olympic champion sled and being like, I don't even know if I like this sport and I'm being asked to perform at a world-class level. And so it was, it was utterly overwhelming. Wow. And what, so what was it like kind of as you went to the Olympics? And um, I, I'm going to drill down to a few more things in your story, but I kind of want to hear it all before we get to that. But like, so you've been twice, like, what was it like that first time? And, and, and yeah, just explain that a bit more for us. Yeah. Um, it was bittersweet in some ways, like 
the the journey to the games is it's long and it's laborious and there's like so much uncertainty and it is just like people get to see such a small piece of what we mm. actually do and it's and it's one day it's interesting i've talked to people and i'm like in some ways it's like the most vulnerable thing that you can do you're like oh here's my life's work here's my life's craft like i'm showing up at the top of a ice slide in a full spandex suit judge me and judge if my work is worthwhile like it's not easy and um my first olympics i had done most of that olympic cycle with that two-time olympic champion and 50 days out from the opening ceremonies was working through a hip injury where there was like mm. some compensation patterns and so went from being like in this super successful spot and the girl to beat to being sidelined and being like i don't even know if i'm going and so i ended up going but then i ended up being told the night before opening ceremonies that i wouldn't be in that top sled initially we were going to do a push off to see who would be in which sled at the olympics and they're like you're going to be in the third sled so mm. it was a bittersweet thing in the sense that like at this point the dream to go to the olympics had evolved because i was coming into the olympic season off of back-to-back -back silver medals at world championships and it was like a realistic goal to win the olympics which mm. i mean sounds crazy but it, it was actually like in the cards and so to have that like ripped out mm -hmm. under my feet at the last minute to not even give, be given a shot it was bittersweet and it was kind of like a okay god mm. what are you doing where are you <laughs> So, yeah, it's interesting. I, it's like, in some ways, it's like working at Disneyland. It's like, loses its magic a little bit. You see behind the scenes. <laughs> and if I'm honest, like the Olympics is like one of the most like, I guess, dark places I've ever been. Not mm. just for me, just to see other people too. So whether mm. that's like people that didn't meet their expectations and it's like their dreams are broken in that sense, or it's like, I remember watching it, my one teammate who won and it was mm. like, oh, but he didn't solve the problems that he had between like him and some of his other teammates. And so it was like, even mm. winning fell short of the actual dream. And so mm. it's just like, it's an, it's, it's an interesting space to walk in because it's like, mm. it would do for sure work for this and it's exciting and it's something to celebrate, but it's also just like such an emotional roller coaster. It's like everything you can imagine in like two weeks. <laughs> So all the highs, all the lows, <laughs> ups and downs, lefts and rights. Um, and then, yeah, and then you walk away from it and you're like, okay, where was the gold in that? And like, do mm. I want to do it again? <laughs> mm -hmm. And you have decided to do it again. That's kind of where you're at right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. So my second Olympics, I was that first ones. I was a brakeman at the second Olympics. I decided I wanted to try driving and essentially went back down to the bottom and worked my way back up um, to become, like I said at the beginning, that first ever Canadian um, woman to compete in both that brakeman and pilot position at the Olympic Games. And then this last year I took off and really seriously considered retiring actually. Um, yeah, I was in a space just after the Olympics where I felt a little burnt out and I was like, okay, I need, I need to take some time off. But then I didn't realize how much I enjoyed <laughs> taking time off. And so I was like, wow, do I really want to go back? And um, I think like throughout this whole, my my career, like God's kind of like really worked on my heart and stuff like that. And so it's like your your motivations and goals kind of change along the way. And it and part of that's also natural, just like as an older athlete, right? You, you shift from like 
the beginning where you're like, it's all about what I can achieve to like almost the, towards the end of your career, you hear so many athletes talk about, okay, what kind of legacy can I leave in my sport or what kind of positive impact? And I'd say, yeah, my motivation going towards these next Olympics in, in some ways follows that same path, but of course is like sprinkled with salt and light in the sense that it's like, yeah, what does, what does that positive impact look like? Cause for me, like most positive thing is Christ. And so, yeah, so it's interesting kind of stepping back into the sphere, um, nervous, excited, because I know it puts you through the ringer. <laughs> wow, totally. Well, there's so many questions that from your story that have kind of bubbled in my mind. But where I want to start is you, uh, you mentioned this comment from one of your uh, colleagues about, oh, you're a Christian that won't last long. And so I'm just curious, kind of what was, what would you say, um, enabled you to kind of carry your faith throughout all that you've gone through like what like what your background and and kind of like maybe in this whole idea of being led by the holy spirit like how are you able to keep your faith strong and consistent in the midst of an environment like that yeah um in some ways it's not rocket science it's just like faithfulness in the small things and um, i think early in my career i kind of would see that interplay between like this idea of even like of physical training, right? You don't see like these massive gains all in one day, but in almost the same with the spiritual kind of training piece mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, it's that consistency over time. And that same mentor I sat down with like at South Campus and I was like, I can't believe God's choosing me to do something I love. Like, I mean, as athletes, it's so easy to be impatient and be like, I want to get better now. <laughs> And I feel like sometimes as Christians, we're the same. We're like, I want to be this like amazing woman of God now. <laughs> and just like she was talking about that long obedience in the same direction. Yeah. And so it's it was really putting in good practices and having good people around me. And so especially that first year, I'd say like as I was like almost like pushed out of the nest, right? I was in this comfy space in university where I had a great Christian community around me. I had mentors pouring into me. I was part of Bible studies. So all of a sudden it's like, okay, you're out on your own. You're like eight time zones away from anybody you really like know <laughs> and like figure it out. And it was hard. It was like, there were some moments where it was like, okay, God, like, like, where are you? Who are you? What do you mean in this space or this context? And then there was other times where it was just like learning that small, small yes. Whether that was like, a, oh, like I'm going to find some time to like do devotionals. I'm going to listen to worship music at this point. I'm going to take some time to pray or like mm. go for a walk. I'm going to like follow the spirits leading on like, oh, I need to forgive that teammate for how they treated me or whatever it was. And then often it would be like coming back at the end of the season and taking that time to, to kind of fill your tank back up and I know even one of my coaches, I'm blessed in that I do have one Christian coach on my team and he even talks about his Olympic experience where he's like, no, well, like I had to be spiritually peaked the same way that physically I had to be peaked. And so, hmm. um, and I was, I was like, oh, I love that language. Cause that's what I, without realizing it, I'm like, that's what I was doing too. I know going into like both Olympic years, it's like, I'm actually very militant almost with my like devotional routine in the morning. I'm like, no, I need to have the word of God in my heart and in my life because I know on the road, it's where it's like a game of like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, who can last the longest kind of thing. Hmm. Um, Cause we're competing week in with week out all the time. And there's so much thrown at you in a high pressure environment. And so, yeah, 
Um, it's those little things. And then it's, it was also learning when to ask for help. And so mm -hmm. some of that was that first year, like literally picking up the phone and phoning a friend from Athletes in Action and being like, hey, <laughs> I need to talk to someone. I need to pray with someone. I need to whatever. And then like mm -hmm. that just became a part of my routine. And then like going into both Olympics again, I like reached out to different mentors I've had within Athletes in Action. I was like, hey, will you walk intentionally with me for the next mm -hmm. X amount of time? until the Olympics. And so was really blessed that, yeah, people said yes to that, yes to that journey, mm -hmm. and kind of like gave them, you know, the keys to the car. I was like, ask me whatever. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, uh, we, we've been kind of journeying, and one of the, the values is, as you attend Resurgence, you know, one of our values is like wholeheartedness and like how your heart gets like healed and knowing like, we're not human doings, we're human beings, and we're sons and daughters, and like this performance, and yet um, what God's called you to is to perform on a, on a world stage in, in front of a lot of people at high stakes, it's, it's minutes, seconds, milliseconds matter, and, um, and it's how do you keep your heart to like not compete or compare because what you're in you're competing like so it, you're competing but you're also like trying to like your values not in what you do and it's not in your time but how do you how does that process in your mind <laughs> yeah I've, I've wrestled with that a lot to be honest and because some of it's like i know my value as a person doesn't rest on my athletic performance but my value in my job just like anybody else does rest on my job performance and so you're like how do you separate those things and it's it's more difficult when you're literally like living and breathing your job like i when we're on the road we're on the road it's not like i go home every night i literally go home to a hotel room with a teammate and i'm like okay i want my my alone time i'm gonna go for a walk or whatever it is so you, you don't get away from it right and so mentally yeah it's i think a little bit more to sometimes like work through that piece and I think it's something that like I don't know I, I think athletes constantly kind of ask themselves Christian athletes because you're like I'm obviously in this because in some ways God's wired me to compete and there's like a joy in competing and like because there's like that joy in mastering something or achieving something and seeing how far you can push that limit and seeing how good you can be how strong you can be how fast you can be how fast you can be, whatever it is, right? And at the same time of being like, how do I not yeah, get caught up in that comparison game of me versus her kind of thing? Um, yeah. And so I do think that's something God like, and I are still in conversations about sometimes because it's like, it's a weird double-edged sword in that it's like, that is the nature of what I'm doing. It's like, we are, com we are competing like almost every day in training where it's like, oh, there's a clock on and I see my number and I see your number. <laughs> So, but part of it is like, okay, you kind of take a deep breath and you're like, I'm going to trust in the process. I'm going to like, let go of whatever. And like, sometimes I think like it also calls like an intentionality around like being like, okay, well, I'm going to take time to like, yeah, that wasn't what I wanted kind of thing, but take time to like celebrate others kind of thing. And sometimes it's like those painful reminders are like also a positive reminder to be like, no, like I can go celebrate someone else. <laughs> It's not yeah. all about me. <laughs> so, but you also kind of, I guess, get drawn back to your why, right? Yeah. Um, if you're just caught up in just the results, um, at the end of the day, results come and go. There's like, 
I don't know, I, I have no idea the age of our audience, but I feel like people have probably seen the Disney movie Cars, and there's that quote by like Doc Hudson that's like talking about like you're only as good as your last race. And that's, it's true, right? It's like, that's sport. And it's like, nobody cares how many times you won. They wanna, they wanna know what you did yesterday kind of thing. Yeah. So it's easy to like ride those highs and lows kind of thing. So it's, it's actually really important to stay grounded. So sometimes like, I'm a journaler, sometimes like, Olympic season, I usually upgrade like a small journal to like a big art book and I'll bring like watercolors on tour because that's like some of how I spend my time with God. And I'll like write out at the beginning, kind of like on page one, like these are like core values or something like that. Like this is what I'm coming back to. These are my whys. Or, and then I'll like take time to reflect on that and like kind of come back to it. Or if it's like my head feels like it's spinning and I'm like caught up in whatever, it's like, okay, what's some like scriptural truth I can come back to that it's like, oh yeah. Like, it's okay. <laughs> it's just a bobsled race. <laughs> and what, and, and if I don't mind asking, what, what would be some of those values that you come back to? Like some of those things that keep you grounded? Yeah, like I think this last Olympics, I wrote down things like integrity and like um, encouragement. Um, I'm trying to remember all the different ones. I think I had five. Faithful, faithfulness is a big one. Actually, this last Olympics, I feel like the theme God really put on my heart was stewardship. And it wasn't like, I'm like, I'm not called to an outcome, I'm called to a process. I'm called to be faithful mm. in that process. I don't get to control the outcome. And I mean, that's true anywhere in life. And so it was like, I think having kind of like reflecting on that over the last like two years going into the Olympics, it was like, that was really something that like, I guess like grounded me in the term, in terms of like being able to be like, no, am I, am I doing what I can do? Because I think that in some ways it's like, being diligent in those things can be like a sacrament of praise kind of thing. And it's like, or sacrifice or whatever word you want to use there. But that idea of like, okay, like I'm being faithful in these things. God's calling me to be faithful in these things and to trust him with the outcome. And so I guess those like quick little heart posture checks, um, going into the first Olympics, like that, my key kind of like phrase was this idea greater than gold. And, um, I guess plug for my favorite book. I've read it multiple times on tour. Is High Places or Heinz Feet on High Places by Hannah Hennard. and it's essentially it's an allegory. So it's this journey of much afraid going up the mountains and through the deserts and all these different places to the high places where the shepherd is in the kingdom of love. It's they use very obvious <laughs> um, metaphors, <laughs> but within that, like she's like going through all these different ups and downs and that book's like has really spoken to me. And in the desert, she learns this lesson of the furnace and obviously like drawn out of different scriptures, like Isaiah and stuff like that, talk, talking about like how God uses like the furnace of afflictions to bring forth gold and that idea of how like through those hardships, right? Those impurities kind of bubble to the top and can be strained off. And so going into my first games, it was that idea of like, okay, greater than gold. It's like, and this is, I guess, a word that the Holy Spirit kind of like had whispered to my heart um, through different readings and stuff like that. But it was that idea like, where it's like, yeah, I'm sacrificing and pushing my body and myself um, for a gold medal. But really it's about that process. And it's like that like crucible and that furnace of like, that competition process that is refining my character and refining my faith and making me like gold. And like the cool part about that, that like was just God speaking my language was like, he's like, Melissa, like, what do you do with a gold medal? It's not like you hide it and you're ashamed of it and shove it in a 
back pocket or sock drawer or something like that but you like actually go out and show people and he's like melissa it's the same with you like you've been refined and you're my gold medal that i get to show with pride like look at my daughter like look at who she is so yeah that word always gets me so <laughs> hmm. yeah so those are some of i guess like yeah the truths the cores that kind of come back to me in those hard hmm. times so good and those those highs and lows like that that uh, that must uh, get old after a while how quick it's so high how quick the the victory and then it's like because your season is how long is the season so it's the world cup circuit is along like the road to the olympics as you said it's not a day it's it's a grind throughout the world yeah so um for us it's like each circuit so there's like a world cup circuit that's the highest level circuit then there's like a european circuit and a north american cup circuit and an asian cup circuit each circuit has eight races in it so typically for like a world cup that means that you're like literally racing back-to-back weeks with usually two weeks off at christmas um and then it's like there's either an olympics or there's a world championships so it's like on non-olympic years we have a world championship race as well but we're really on the road so it's like that might only be 12 weeks because world champs are two weeks but it's like we're literally on the road doing a preseason before that so um we're usually on ice kind of come october and then we're off ice usually end of february beginning of march i know olympic year conditions were interesting because of covid and stuff like that as well and they had to move some like international training periods around and stuff but i left i think canada october 5th came home for seven days and wasn't home until february 28th so it was like something like that or 21st either way it was like you're gone yeah (laughs) so it Mm -hmm. can be a grind for sure (laughs) and it's interesting that like more so in the brakeman position than the pilot position because points are accumulated by pilot name but in the brakeman position you can get like pulled in and out week week in week out and so um for us it's like our international qualifying period for our sport for the olympics ends the third week of january so we technically don't know who is going to the Olympics until two weeks before the Olympics. And so it it is like emotionally just like, oh my goodness. So if you're on the bubble, it's, it's a lot. I mean, you'll know halfway through the season, if you're ranked really high, like you're like, okay, I'm going kind of thing. But it's like, yeah, if you're on that fringe, like that first year, it was like, we literally were in a position where only two nations in the world get to send three sleds and Germany, they were already in a position they were qualifying. Um, it literally came down though to the last race between us and the United States and just the way the teams had worked out that year um, Canada US and Germany we were dominating the circuit and so literally it was like between these third ranked sleds for Canada and USA they could come first and second in this race or last and second last what would happen is the person that won that race between the two of them would go to the Olympics and the other person would be ranked ninth in the world and get sent home and so it's just it's stuff like that where you're just like okay like (laughs) um and i actually had gotten pulled in for that race as a brakeman and it was cool i got to compete with the girl that i ended up competing with at the olympics but um she had introduced me to the sport and i had ran track with her in up in edmonton wow yeah so i know you've been uh tracking with the resurgence community for a while and and one of our emphases is uh just the holy spirit and being spirit-led and and obviously we're kind of exploring that a lot in this podcast and so i'm just curious kind of how do you 
how do you um, how, how do you fit into your life like the leadership of the Holy Spirit like in all that you do like obviously we've heard a lot of the ways that you uh, just through the way you talk some of it's obvious but I'm just wondering if you kind of think like specifically how do you foster and steward that like spirit empowered lifestyle mm-hmm. I think more than anything it's making space making space for like God to speak making space for relationship so whether mm-hmm. that's like yeah carving out time for like Bible reading, or for me, it's like, um, sometimes it'll be like through, like I'll meditate on scripture through painting it or something like that, or like mm. writing notes on it, like a more of a visual person. Um, I also like, I also connect with God a lot through music or through nature sometimes. And so it'll be like going for a prayer walk or yeah, carving out that time to like listen to worship music. And I think also God really speaks through other people. And so mm. one of the biggest things I've seen throughout my life is it's like surround yourself with people you want to be like so whether that was like people and mentors within Athletes in Action or like some of the great friends I have through like such a people like as the resurgence community and stuff um even like I mean that makes sense in any sphere right like Mm. I don't train with Joe from the gym I train with other Olympic athletes because I want to be an Olympic level athlete right um and then by living in those kinds of community, right, you give God just, like, space to speak. People can kind of, whether that's words of encouragement or words of correction or words of whatever, um, yeah, you give kind of space. And so sometimes just it's those little pauses um, throughout mm. the day. And I think the more, yeah, the more you practice it, the more it just becomes, it becomes a habit. Um, but it's something I think that, like, maybe it's a lifelong journey. I think I'm still definitely kind of growing it in it and sometimes I'm like Lord I want your voice to be more clear I feel like as much as I have a very artsy side I feel like I'm also very like analytical and logical and I'm like Lord I think that you should speak this way (laughs) I'm like why is it not showing up like this in my life right now (laughs) so and that or it'll be like are you sure (laughs) so yeah it looks like different things I guess in different seasons sometimes too yeah so cool um, one of the things that we've been exploring is, is leadership and how the spirit calls us to lead. And um, I've said this and we've said this as a community. It feels like um, like there's gold in each one of us, but sometimes we recognize it. And sometimes it's like all we see is dirt or clay or mud. And sometimes it takes others to call that out. But as you as a leader, what does that look like? Like sometimes it can be hard to go, oh, am I a leader? Am I, I, I feel like a follower. I feel, yes, I'm following Jesus, but also I, I also am called to lead others and be someone that people look to and leave a legacy. And um, that's easy to see from the outside because there's little girls and boys watching uh, an Olympic athlete on TV and they're inspired. And there's probably the next, you know, person when you were young and you were inspired watching that. And so that's from that point. But how else have you kind of seen God use you as a leader and evolve that and even recognize, hey, I'm a leader in the sports field. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes leadership like sneaks up on you. Like other times I think like naturally I have a personality where it's like, Um, I love to seek out challenges and like even seek out leadership opportunities. So whether that was like, say growing up, like being part of like student leadership at school or like being part of student leadership at athletes in action. But like other times, like I think on my team, sometimes it's like, oh, like, am I a leader? And maybe now I could look at it and say, yeah, I'm a leader 
in some ways by default because I'm a veteran. <laughs> and so I get to, whether like, you know, for better or worse, get to like lead people in showing like, this is how you do team. Like, this is what our team is. This is what our team values are. Um, yeah, so I think some of it's just like kind of those day in, day out things. But yeah, other times it's, um, hmm. I feel like I'm not answering your question well. <laughs> some of it's just been, I guess, opportunities where sometimes people, right, like kind of see in you like, hey, you're a leader, like you should try this. So sometimes like with the Athletes in Action, I've been given opportunities to speak into people's lives or mentor different people. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay, like, sure, yeah. That's good, really good. Um, what, what, and uh, in, in also in your faith, how does your faith, I mean, you're in a non-faith environment and um, you're, you know, you're praying, you have devotions, you have all this, but also it's like, how does that look to like share your faith? How does that, um, that's, it's very hard. It's easy to do it when you're a pastor, you're an evangelist, you're in a church. Oh, it's easy to talk about our faith, but when we're in an environment and you're with people every day and there's um, the world we live in, the culture we're in, um, it is, it's not easy to live faith and also do life with people and walk that out. How has that looked for you in terms of others, not just your own personal, but sharing and, and, and how that works with others? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two kind of, I guess, quick quotes kind of come to mind. One would be like where mother Teresa was like, at all points, share the gospel when necessary, use words. And then like Paul said something similar where he's like, work really hard. And when somebody like asks you about your faith, be like ready to share about the hope you have. And so I think a lot of it is that like, we're the only people, like the only Bible that some people are ever going to read. Um, and I think <laughs> being in a position where you're like, you're literally living this out 24 seven with some people, you're like, they see the good and the bad of who you are and, and sport really like, it, it brings out those like championship moments, but it also brings out like, because it's like, like pressure cooker, it like brings out the hard stuff and by no stretch of the imagination am I perfect either. Um, but I think like one of, somebody once said to me, he's like, yeah, I think like maybe one of the greatest witnesses you'll actually ever have is like the fact that you, you said sorry to that person, like the fact that you actually owned stuff kind of thing. It's not that we're like perfect Christians, but it's like, I think the fact that we're like, we get forgiveness and we're like ministers of reconciliation sometimes is like what people actually like are like, Oh, that's weird. Nobody's ever apologized to me for about that. Like that was no big deal or something like that. Or just like, it's something unexpected in the culture because Christianity is so like countercultural. So it's like, you know, what does it look like to love your opposition? And it's like, Ooh, that's not easy. In some ways you could say that's the same as enemy. <laughs> I would like to say that the teammates I'm in competition against are not my enemies, but sometimes it can feel that way, right? So it's like, what does it look like to like love and serve the people that are like, yeah, going for the same thing you are. And it's like a, one person will get it and one person doesn't. And that's the hard truth. And it's, it's interesting too, trying to like fit into maybe this like culture of scarcity where it's like, there's only so many spots. There's only so many medals. It's like, where, where does like this culture of abundance, which is the kingdom, like, where does that fit into this? And I think sometimes I have more questions than answers, <laughs> mm. but I think, yeah, living out my faith, it's just, I guess, watching people or like letting people watch me and, and inviting them to ask questions. And sometimes it's just, yeah, it, 
it's also asking good questions, just like being genuinely curious about like, okay, so like, what do you think? Like, where did that belief come from? Or where did that feeling come from kind of thing? And I think in this last season, um, taking time off, I got to work with Athletes in Action on campus at the University of Alberta. And part of my role was mentoring um, some younger athletes and stuff. And it really was a season where I learned how to ask good questions. And some of that was because I had mentors that asked really good questions of me. I think sometimes leadership is maybe 90% listening. <laughs> it's just being listening here. And yeah, that's also, I think, rare in our society. Yeah, so like you shared before, Melissa, about how you decided to come back and compete for the Olympics again. Um, but I, I'm just wondering that process in, in hearing God's voice and how you decided that, like, it's, a, it's incredible to go three times to the Olympics or attempt to go three times and represent your country, family, do the thing that God called you to years ago, not knowing, um, and, and go for it. How did you, how did you discern that knowing when to quit? I, I've heard um, Olympic runners talk about chasing the mist and how they win, they win a medal, they win something, and it's never enough. Like it's, and, and to know, like they're like, oh, if I just become champion, then. I, but then they're like, no, I have to like protect the medal, and I have to, I have to defend it, and it's like a never-ending vortex. So how how did you discern, God? Am I supposed to do this? Yeah, it's interesting you said that because it's so true. Like sport is one of those things. Like we were saying before, it's like you're only as good as your last race, and there's always more to achieve. It's kind of funny you talk to athletes and it's like, they're always like, oh, if only I made this. Like when I was running in university, it was like, oh, if only I made nationals. And then it's like, right, you get to a different level and it's like, oh, if only I was an Olympian. And then you can get to that Olympic level. If only I was a medalist. And then you medal or you win and you're like, well, if only I was in that double Olympic medal <laughs> category. Like there's always something more. And so it's like, yeah, how do you discern when, when to actually like, step back and be done because the work's never finished. And that's like one of the beautiful, horrendous parts about sport is it's going to go on beyond you. Like that's just the way it is. And so, yeah, in this last season, having taken a year off, I was really prayerful about it. Cause like I was saying earlier, I like, I actually loved not, not busting my butt and training every day. I was like, this is great. Um, <laughs> I have no injuries. All those things that like hurt before went away magically. Cause I just wasn't pushing them all all day long kind of thing um so I was really praying about it I was like Lord like do you want me to go back like initially for whatever reason in my head right from go I had three Olympic cycles in my head I don't know why and um having taken the year off like at the beginning I was like no Lord like it was the plan was to go back but then in that space I was like Lord like I really need you to speak into this space and so it was kind of months of praying on and off about it and then I got to the end of the school year and I was like okay god I kind of need an answer now and I actually had started training because I was like well lord it's easier to train and say no than it is to not train and say yes because I would regret that so <laughs> so I was training and I actually um with athletes in action we went to um out in BC we had something called national training camp so we have um, university level athletes from across the country come out and it's like a week-long conference of like asking that question how does faith and sport collide and so going into that week I was really praying like Lord like would you stir up the dreams in my heart that need to be stirred up in this season and would you let kind of like fall away like the things that need to fall away and like as soon as I stepped off the plane 
there was some conversations that were planned with like colleagues and stuff like that and mentors but like it felt like from kind of conversation one like the first conversation I had was with a, a fellow Olympian and I was like what was your process of retirement and within that process like that conversation I just like felt this like stirring and like burning in my chest kind of piece and then it was like the day after we went to like a missionary supper kind of thing for somebody that um, does um, like literacy stuff I think in Cambodia and just like he was talking about calling and again I'm like okay there's that feeling again and then throughout the week it was like every single time I started talking to colleagues about like Bob said it was like oh there's that feeling in my chest but I, I didn't kind of like recognize that right from go is like oh this is the Lord answering my prayer the prayer that I literally asked him to kind of stir this up in my heart like that's literally what he was doing but I got to a point where I was like Lord, I'm actually like really angry that you're not answering my prayer that I've been praying for a really long time. And I feel like you're answering all these other prayers around me and they're like stupid and they're insignificant. And why aren't you answering the big one that I've been asking? And it wasn't until like, yeah, like I took some time and like retrospect, I was like, whoa, like you actually, you have been answering this. You, you were answering it in exactly the way I was asking you to answer it by like stirring this dream back up in my heart. And I came back from BC and I remember even just like having a conversation with that Christian coach that I had. And um, it's crazy. I like asked him about like, okay, how did you know when to retire? And he shared with me how like he was going to be done after he meddled in Vancouver. And he was like, Lord, the only way I'm going to continue is if my wife brings up the fact that I need to keep on going. And she's like, he's like, she'll never say that. <laughs> she 100% supports me, but he, she's not going to bring it up kind of thing. And like they're driving somewhere and she turns to him and is like, honey, I think you need to like go for another Olympics. And it was just, it was cool hearing his story of how God like worked in that decision. And just by the end of that conversation, like I was practically like almost like in just tears of just like, I don't know what the right word is, but like, yeah, that. That, when that passion, I guess, gets stirred up inside of you, like that similar feeling to like when you're at the front of like an altar almost, and it's like, yeah, I need to go back. So that's mm. that's why I'm I'm back <laughs> training again, <laughs> and I'm excited and scared to see what God does. So. <laughs> some people respond to the call of God at an altar, and some on a bobsled track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and sport has taught me so much about faith, whether it's like those that idea of like where Paul talks about, right? Like train yourself like an athlete so that like you're gonna be approved. But it's also been like those moments of like, Melissa, like, will you trust me here? Will you trust me when it doesn't make sense? When things look like it's falling apart around you, like who do you still say I am? Even when it doesn't appear like I'm your protector, like will you choose to proclaim that? Will you choose to choose me over the thing that I've put in your heart to love most? So. Yeah, it's been something that's really pushed me. Oh, so good. Uh, and we're in a moment, we're going to ask you to pray. And I want you to pray for people that maybe have a calling. They Maybe it's to sport, but maybe it's to some other dream that God's put in them. And they're like, I'm too scared to do it. I don't know if he's called me to do that. That You would just pray that God would speak. And even your story would encourage them and and uh, speak life over them today. And uh, But I have one thought I keep, keep thinking as, as you've been talking. Before every competition, how does how do you prepare your mind? Like in that, in those seconds before, how does that, where, what is God, where's God in that process? Like it's 
probably very quiet. There's everyone has their probably rituals and things they do. Um, there's probably a lot of superstition um, <laughs> certain athletes have in what they do. Yeah. But what does that look like for you right before your your biggest competitions? Yeah, um, I think going into any competition, like you can have peace in like your preparation, right? Your confidence is your preparation, and so some of that is like it's, it's hours or days or weeks or months beforehand mm -hmm. and. For me, I'd say though, like my, my day of like routine, like I like to be up at least four hours before I race, which if we're racing at like 9 a.m. is early, but, <laughs> um, and at part of my, my like warm up routine in the morning is to have devotional time. Like that's part of my race routine. I'm like, no Lord, like I don't want to go into this space without you. And like, I want to honor you that in this. And I like pray that like, even like the life song of like, actually that just brings up like something this last year that like, in three different worship services this is the only reason i actually like was praying like lord like am i not done because in like out of the blue in three worship services i would get to a point where it was like lord i want to express myself more to you like how much i love you i'm like i want to go run as much as i can like fast as i can or lift as much weight as i possibly can because that felt like the highest form of praise that i could give him which is interesting <laughs> um but it's like so yeah inviting into into that space in the morning and then sometimes it's just I actually try and keep my, my pre-race routine fluid. And so sometimes it's like some mornings I would be listening to worship music instead of like, otherwise I'm usually listening to EDM. <laughs> it's like one or the other. <laughs> um, but it's like, yeah, I don't, it's sometimes like feeling out kind of like where your heart's at, where your emotions are at, because as a high performance athlete, you have to kind of find out like, what is like your ideal readiness state? And you don't want to like, be buzzing to the point where you're like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just vibrating all over the place or something like that. Cause I'm so excited or nervous or took way too much coffee or whatever. Like, so it's like, I think there's a spiritual readiness to it too as well. And so sometimes it's just like simple and it's like, Lord, I already know you're with me. And like, I'm choosing to glorify you in this and I'm going to go race. Other times it's like, Lord, I'm really working through whatever. Cause like this gold medal is like, trying to you know like it's like half butt cheek on the chair with you of the throne of my life and that's probably not a good thing so there's like a wrestling and there's been there's been times in my warm-ups where it's like i'm literally like okay i'm gonna take five minutes to go like on my knees in somewhere quiet or like type out a prayer or something or like my first olympics like in the midst of all that emotion and disappointment um i remember i phoned my mentor from the top of the track in Korea. And in the middle of my warm up was like, hey rocks, like, yeah, the dream was to win, but the dream was to win with God and to do this for him and to glorify him. And so like, would you pray with me? Like, probably not gonna win today, but like, I still want to do this with him and for him. So it, yeah, so it, it depends. It depends on the day. Well, thank, yeah. thank you so much for sharing and uh, just want to invite you in that in that tone to just to just pray and as the spirit leads you for those watching and listening lord i thank you that you're a god that delights in us you're a god that gives us passions and dreams that god you've like written things deep in our hearts lord um, before we were even born god it says in your word that there's like good works prepared in advance for us to do. And I thank you for like the wonderful adventure of getting to un like figure those things out and unfold those things, Lord. 
mm-hmm. and of getting to say yes to you in those spaces, mm-hmm. Lord. I thank you, God, that as we step out in faith, that you're you're in those spaces to meet us. Mm-hmm. I thank you, God, that yeah, you're in you're you're in our yes. Mm. And I thank you, God, that you direct us, Lord, that your word in Isaiah says that whether we walk to the right or to the left, there's going to be a voice whispering in our ear, this is the way walk in it. Mm-hmm. And so, God, today I pray that you would stir up calling in people. Lord, I pray that, God, that you would shift perspective, Lord, for people to even see where they're already at as calling. Lord, that you have divinely orchestrated where they are at for such a time as this. Just like how Esther was called to be a princess. <laughs> Lord, for such a time as this, um, I pray that, God, you'd give people eyes to see the people around them, God, for how you've called them to those people, Lord, and how, God, you've also called them to these activities to work out in them with fear and trembling their salvation, God, what it looks like to love you with all of their heart, with all of their gifts and talents and strength, with their mind. Um, Yeah. And Lord, I just, I pray that God, you would be exalted in the works of our hands, God, that you'd be blessed in the work that we do. And I just am reminded of how like in the garden, you, you called us to work and called us to garden even before the fall. And Lord, I pray that God, that people would be able to praise you in that God, praise you in their work, praise you in their labor, God, Hmm. that that would be an offering to you, that that would be a sacrifice and a life song to you, Lord. So yeah, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you go before us and you hem us in behind. And I thank you, God, for every single person listening on this call. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Melissa, it's just been such an honor hearing your story. And um, mm-hmm. I was even struck earlier by um, just the way that you allow Holy Spirit to shine through you and um, just the light that you're able to carry wherever you go into those places. And, and I think... I, I think there's some people watching today that feel like they're in similarly dark environments. Um, but my prayer and hope for, for you, Melissa, and for each one of you listening is that uh, you carry the spirit inside of you and allowing Holy Spirit to like shine through you um, is, is making more of an impact than you can even know. And I'm sure uh, it may not seem like it all the time, but God's at work and he's doing amazing things. So yeah, thank you, Melissa. That was such a great, I love your honesty. I love your vulnerability. Um, and I just love your passion for God. It's just so evident. And so, and, and all the best in your training, like what a crazy few years you have ahead of you. <laughs> we'll be praying for you and, and uh, yeah, just wish you the best. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's been such a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for sharing your heart. And um, yeah, we believe God's going to use you powerfully on, mm-hmm. on, on the track, but also in the training season and your story. And even even post, whatever that looks like after you're done, God's mm-hmm. going to continue to use you and open up doors. And so, God, we, we even pray for Melissa today. Mm-hmm. We just we pray that you would anoint her, anoint her in her calling in a Mm -hmm. great way that she would be, um, Mm. this would be her most fruitful year in in track, in in doing bobsledding, but God also in just conversations and life and every dream she has in her heart beyond the track. God, would you you move? Would you show up in incredible ways and just blow her out of the water in this season? Thank you, Lord. Mm -hmm. Amen. 
Well, that was such a great conversation that we just had with Melissa. Wow, what an honor to be able to uh, hear her story and dive in deeply with her and engage with kind of how she lives out her Christian life in the Olympics. Just wild. Yeah. Uh, Tra Travis, what stood out to you in that conversation? Oh, it was, it was so, uh, I could just hear the Olympic music in, in the background. You know, I'm like, <laughs> it's cool her wearing her like Olympic sweatshirt and it's just like, um, I, you know, I am so Canadian and I'm like, ah, oh, oh, Canada, you know, and, yes. and I just, uh, you know, you hear her and you're, you hear, I, I'm hearing the stories that, you know, as you watch the Olympics every, every few years, you see these, these tragedies and you see these, um, mm. these ups and these downs and these highs and lows. And I think, you know, just how, uh, her faith, um, just stayed consistent how she's navigated yeah. that how she's had yeah. to prepare herself um i thought even talking about the competition thing that my big question and everything i was just like that's so cool like how mm -hmm. you navigate those things as a leader and even how god has used you and and even in this interview um can i say i think she was she was underplaying her impact on other athletes, mm -hmm. other people. We've heard stories of the impact she's had on other athletes yeah. around her, and uh, it's incredible. And so yeah. it's funny, it's like that that kind of like, I think we're all like that, kind of going, hey, what is my impact? Am I really impacting people? And here she's mm -hmm. serving with Athletes in Action, and she's been so integral, even in our ministry, and, and being mm -hmm. there, and such a, such a prayer person, and a person of faith. And so it's really cool yes. to see um, someone, you know, respond to God in the bobsled track, and totally. say, God, I'm called to the bobsled track. And God is in that. And I think in mm -hmm. an older day, we used to, you know, people would say, well, God can't call you to that. He calls you to the church and to ministry, and that's it. And hmm. those days are, are not found in my Bible because I, I believe he's hmm. called us to be in every sphere of society and influence. And that was just yeah. such a great conversation. And I'm going to take time to even pray for her because um, totally. her influence can influence people at like me or you or those watching can never influence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know before the interview we talked about calling. And I think what stood out to me throughout uh, the interview with her was just how much she had to keep working at her calling. Like she was so sure of it and she knew that God had called her to that place, but then she like gave herself to it. Like she was so, and, and you, you know, I, I don't know if we, we can even know the amount of work that it takes to like trade at that level and, and the amount of mornings and, and the amount of sacrifices and things that she had to do to chase her calling, but just the amount of faithfulness that she had to God and pursuing her calling and in, um, and in really like chasing after God and allowing his calling on her life to be that driving force, you know, behind that incredible training. It, it was just, oh, I was just so inspired by it. Um, but I was also inspired by just her, her, her faith in the midst of a really difficult place like I meant what I said at the end that was really impactful to me just kind of how she lived it out and I'm I'm sure it was for you too Trav yeah uh and, and you said something that made me think of something you know when, when about calling because I think you know especially in our western context I've been thinking about this lately down and see what you think about it but in our western context mm -hmm. we when we have calling and we're like okay God's calling me to something then we, we've, we've preached a message, we believe this kind of idea that everything God calls me to, it's going to be easy. It's going to yeah. be, it's, it's like there'll be, there'll be peace. If God's calling you, there'll be peace. 
See, mm-hmm. and, and I've been, I, I woke up this morning actually thinking about this because I'm like, the Spirit of God gives you peace. It's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's a fruit of the Spirit. So yes. it's a fruit of the Spirit peace. So if it's a peace on our own accord, then it's not God, like God's peace. It's God's peace mm-hmm. that comes to us. But mm-hmm. you need peace because I, I kind of think so many times we think the easy road is the road that God's calling us. And mm-hmm. calling can also be like, oh, it's comfortable. And it should all work out if God's calling us to something. And I think yeah. that's how we, we, we believe that a bit. And I, I, I don't think that's accurate. Like, God can mm-hmm. call you. Like, you look at the life of Mary. Mary was called. She had a wonderful plan for her life. And all of a sudden, you're pregnant, Mary. And God's favors mm-hmm. you. God favors me to be on the run for years and, and be mm-hmm. hiding from someone that wants to kill my son. Like, huh? How's God favoring me? And and so, I mean, we see that God did favor her, but it looked different than I think we would have thought favor looks like. And mm-hmm. and I and I even hearing Melissa's story um, kind of pushed that to me again of going, hey, what's the thing God's called you to do? It might not be easy. It's gonna be. Yeah. There's gonna be discouragement and setback. I remember a few years ago, um, a dear friend Danielle Strickland. And uh, she had a word for me, and, and her and her friend, I was preaching at their small church. She was running a church in Edmonton, our city, and they had me preach an event called Go for Souls. And they had a word for me at the end. They said, I see your feet going a lot of places, um, and it's not going to be easy. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, thanks. That's so encouraging, you know. Um, it's yeah. not going to be easy. And, and, I, and I, I didn't like that word, to be honest. I'm like, can I get an easy mm-hmm. word? Can I get, if God's calling me, it'll be easy. But I think... The more I've understood that and the more even talking to Melissa, it's like, man, there is things. And so maybe maybe you're watching today and you're like, uh, God's called me, but I'm in the low point. I'm in the in between the, the promise and the victory. Um, that's, that's where God is found. And I feel like there is encounters with the Lord that happen in those moments that will never happen just on the mountaintops and in the easy moments. And I think it's in the... The, those suffering, those hard moments where we see mm-hmm. a, a, fac- a facet of God, a face of God that we might not see in the other moments, and they help us grow as a leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like partnering with God in the process of who we're becoming and who He's called us to be, right? Like <laughs> that whole sense of where He's called us to something, and it may be a long ways off. It may seem like it's a big dream, and it, yes, it's probably going to be really hard. But it's like partnering with God in the process, you know, how, from getting from here to there. What does He need to do in our hearts to prepare us? You know, like with Melissa, it's like I love what she said about how she almost had to be at peak spiritual <laughs> when she got to the Olympics, just knowing what she was going to face. Right, that whole idea of of I I need to know that my walk with God is strong and the foundation is is secure. Um, but she didn't start there. Like she worked her way up there and, and got and, and partnered with him in the process. And I just, yeah, I, I totally agree, Travis. I think sometimes when we hear calling, we think, yeah, that'll just be kind of a cakewalk to get from here to there. But the reality is it's like, it's every day submitting to God's spirit and saying, God, do in me what you need to do so that I can live out this calling. Right. Like, and, and I feel like athlete athletics is just such a good metaphor for all of that because you know trading and 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 how the body works and how we how it it just all fits right and and so yeah i just uh i totally agree with that trav and i and i think too like the other thing i was thinking about is is how we partner with god in our calling there's going to be some things that that happen like supernaturally or that happen that are like doors that are 
blown wide open that we weren't expecting or like things like that but then there's going to be other seasons where we're going to have to knock on doors we're going to have to pursue it and work towards uh that calling um but it's just that it comes out of trust it comes out of faith it comes out of like identity and all that stuff we've talked about so yeah it's so good <laughs> uh so good and it's uh it's just interesting also to go look at her and and to look at the Olympics and you know we I saw her I remember watching but you don't know the stuff going behind the scenes and totally. I think it's so easy to watch other leaders leaders on a stage <laughs> pastors mm-hmm. we all know there's stuff going behind the scenes to see a mm-hmm. mom that has perfect or three kids dressed up for church and and a dad who's got it all and you're like okay what was the fight to get there this morning to get everyone dressed you know and and it's funny we see the finished product and we see people on the world stage we see pastors in the church we see business people that are so successful um i i think we also have to realize um the struggle the struggle they're in and the struggle to get there and i think that we're comparing ourselves sometimes to the highlight reel to the finished product mm-hmm. to the Olympic stage when mm-hmm. um, there's a huge World Cup process circuit that she does just totally. to even get a chance to get there. Totally. Yeah, it's so true. It's so good. Um, yeah, I just, I, I really was inspired by by that conversation with Melissa and hopefully you you guys that are listening were too. Um, if this inspired you, if it's something that, that uh, spoke to your heart, I just encourage you, maybe leave a comment, let us know what spoke to you, let us know what, um, yeah, what inspired you and make sure to share it with your friends. Uh, give us a like on YouTube or uh, a review wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd really appreciate that. And, um, and yeah, we just, we're, we're on a journey and we wanna bring you along in the journey. So make sure, let's keep this conversation going. Yeah, it's it's been such an honor to have you with us. And again, the Spirit Empowered Leader podcast is all about growing our leadership ability. Uh, we believe that leadership and knowing that we're leaders isn't innate. It's something that can be grown and that God mm-hmm. wants to grow our capacity to lead, to follow his spirit, to hear his voice, to, to, to know our calling and to walk that out. And so we just believe there's a leader in every chair. And so we've been doing this. This is, um, we're near the, closing near the end of season one. Season two is gonna be coming. It's gonna be amazing. Um, and, and, just wanna, and just wanna invite you to be part of this journey, as Donovan said. Mm-hmm. Um, it would mean the world to us if you would share it. Tell somebody about this podcast. Really, we just want to equip Mm -hmm. leaders everywhere in the world. And so um, Mm -hmm. if you want more information on Resurgence, our ministry, our mandate is to reach people, revive churches, and release leaders. And uh, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, but also with this global uh, presence and uh, impact that we want to do. And so you can find more at liveresurgence.com. And until next time, uh, we have uh, our season finale is our next uh, um, episode coming up it's going to be amazing you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, it it is it is a gift and so mm-hmm. tune into that and then next season and uh, okay well have an amazing day wherever you're listening watching from bless you thank you for listening to the spirit empowered leader podcast we hope that this podcast has encouraged you as an empowered leader this podcast is brought to you by resurgence initiatives Our mandate is to revive churches, release leaders, and reach people. We are on a journey, and the dream God has put in our heart involves you. Learn more at liveresurgence.com or on Instagram at liveresurgence.